Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of The Infertile Diagnosis. Hello, and thank you so much for coming back to another Closer Today, where me, Monica, bring you inspirational clips to help you get through the bullshit of infertility. Today, we have psychotherapist Amy Morin on, and man, this girl has been through some shit. Um, This has nothing to do with infertility, her talk, but why I wanted to share with you today was her outlook and her... I guess the way she treats um, her clients and the way she wants people to look and look at life is how you deal and how you think about your situation. Now, you know, I know infertility sucks and it is a situation that you necessarily can't really get away from. I guess maybe every situation you can't really get away from. But maybe we just are, well, maybe we do. I know I did just hyper-focus on like a two-week increment, right? Every two weeks, there's um, another sign that things aren't necessarily working for you. And um, you can get really down about it and you can get really why me and really sad about the situation, which is completely valid you know no one is saying that being sad or dealing with your feelings and your emotions about your situation isn't what you need to do because you 100% need to do that but I think sometimes and I know for me I did in the beginning years of my infertility journey um, I really kind of repressed my emotions and that just really led to me believing that life sucked. During infertility, you can really, you know, why me? Why does this have to happen to me? Um, And kind of get into that victim mind frame and it just sends you on this like super spiraling um, negative path and then what's even worse I think during this is that when things really don't work out your way like a failed IUI or a failed IVF or you know a miscarriage um, you go even deeper and deeper down into um, you know one a pity party to emotionally being a, a big wreck and it just having a huge impact on the life that you have now And when you do your mental work and really strive to rewire your brain, look for all the good that is in your life, Um, you know, even if it's just basic stuff, like you have a roof over your head, you have food on your table, you have a loving partner, um, as long as you're not doing solo parenting Um, but if you are doing solo parenting then you have support from your family and friends during this time there's a lot of basic easy simple things to be incredibly grateful for I know for me when I started changing my mindset and that I 
really focus on all those basic things because in reality a lot of people don't have those basic things and um I just really had to change and shift my mindset to okay this is shit and I have to deal with it what can I control what are the things that I control to make not only this situation better but my life better And so when you start doing that, you just become mentally stronger. And when shit happens, you're able to deal with that so much better and with so much more grace. I know for me, I have two kind of big episodes during my journey that I see the difference that my mindset helped. So in between my two IVFs, we did almost a year. I went paleo. I was really hardcore on improving my health. I was doing a little bit of mental work um, and I was saying things to myself that I necessarily wasn't allowing myself to say before, like when I get pregnant, when I have a baby, but I wasn't really doing like anything hardcore. And so when the IVF failed, even though we had like the most beautiful looking embryo and I didn't even make it to day 28 um I was gutted I mean I was so pissed off um and I even went and looked up surrogacy printed out the forms and just told my husband like obviously my body can't do this so we just have to look somewhere else Luckily, I don't know how the fuck I calmed down or refocused my mental situation, but I guess that was the time where, yeah, I had to like go, okay, you need to really sort your mental health out. Um, And I've talked about doing the five minute journal a lot and every morning just writing down what I was grateful for and I had you know some time to just reevaluate life and then started really working on my mental health and so when I did our first frozen embryo transfer and finally got pregnant after almost six years um, but unfortunately when we went to the seven-week scan I had a missed miscarriage and I dealt with that situation so much better than the failed IVF, which I don't know, you know, I don't want to put like a judgment on it, but, um, you know, having a miscarriage compared to a failed IVF, um, for me would have been more devastating, but I handled that situation with so much more grace and when we left the clinic I just said to my husband look I can get pregnant now we that was like the ultimate goal so I just need to figure out how to keep the baby um and what I can do within my powers because I know there's a situation that you're just powerless you know that's just nature Um, And then that's when I dug deeper and I was like, right, I have an autoimmune issue. I need to go on an autoimmune paleo diet and did that. Um, So yes, I am a true believer that sorting your mental health out is um, definitely just as important as sorting your physical self out um, to just help you through the shitty times of infertility because even you know, if, and I think a lot of people who have secondary infertility go through this, you know, you've done it, you've had your uh, baby, you know, and then all of a sudden you can't do it again. Um, or 
you know, for me, that was so true. My last and final frozen embryo transfer, I miscarried. And, you know, it's just ups and downs through infertility and through life. And so I just think this is an amazing talk to show that it is how you deal with the situation and how becoming mentally strong will help you through these times. So I truly hope Amy's talk gives you the inspiration that you need, that you are more powerful than you know to really take control of your mental health and get through these hard times um, with grace and strength and look back at them and be really proud of yourself. You became a better version of yourself despite these hard times. So without further ado, here's Amy. Facebook friend whose life seems perfect. She lives in a gorgeous house and she has a really rewarding career. And she and her family go on all these exciting adventures together on the weekends. And I swear that they must take a professional photographer along with them. Because no matter where they go or what they do, the whole family just looks beautiful. And she's always posting about how blessed she is and how grateful she is for the life that she has. And I get the feeling she's not just saying those things for the sake of Facebook, but she truly means it. How many of you have a friend kind of like that? And how many of you kind of don't like that person sometimes? <laughs> we all do this, right? It's hard not to do. But that way of thinking costs us something. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, is what our bad habits cost us. Maybe you scroll through your Facebook feed and you think, so what if I roll my eyes? It's just five seconds of my time. How could it be hurting me? Well, researchers have found that envying your friends on Facebook actually leads to depression. That's just one of the traps that our minds can set for us. Have you ever complained about your boss? Or looked at your friends' lives and thought, why do they have all the luck? Can't help thinking that way, right? That way of thinking seems small in the moment. In fact, it might even make you feel better in the moment. But that way of thinking is eating away at your mental strength. There's three kinds of destructive beliefs that make us less effective and rob us of our mental strength. The first one is unhealthy beliefs about ourselves. We tend to feel sorry for ourselves. And while it's okay to be sad when something bad happens, self-pity goes beyond that. It's when you start to magnify your misfortune. When you think things like, why do these things always have to happen to me? I shouldn't have to deal with it. That way of thinking keeps you stuck, keeps you focused on the problem, keeps you from, from finding a solution. And even when you can't create a solution, you can always take steps to make your life or somebody else's life better. But you can't do that when you're busy hosting your own pity party. The second type of destructive belief that holds us back is unhealthy beliefs about others. We think that other people can control us and we give away our power. But as adults who live in a free country, there's very few things in life that you have to do. 
So when you say, I have to work late, you give away your power. Yeah, maybe there'll be consequences if you don't work late, but it's still a choice. Or when you say, my mother-in-law drives me crazy, you give away your power. Maybe she's not the nicest person on earth, but it's up to you how you respond to her because you're in control. The third type of unhealthy belief that holds us back is unhealthy beliefs about the world. We tend to think that the world owes us something. We think, if I put in enough hard work, then I deserve success. But expecting success to fall into your lap like some sort of cosmic reward will only lead to disappointment. But I know it's hard to give up our bad mental habits. It's hard to get rid of those unhealthy beliefs that we've carried around with us for so long. But you can't afford not to give them up. Because sooner or later, you're going to hit a time in your life where you need all the mental strength that you can muster. When I was 23 years old, I thought I had life all figured out. <laughs> I graduated from grad school. I landed my first big job as a therapist. I got married, and I even bought a house. And I thought, this is going to be great. I've got this incredible jump start on success. What could go wrong? That all changed for me one day when I got a phone call from my sister. She said that our mother was found unresponsive and she'd been taken to the hospital. My husband Lincoln and I jumped in the car and rushed to the hospital. We couldn't imagine what could be wrong. My mother was only 51. She didn't have any history of, heart, of any kind of health problems. When we got to the hospital, doctors explained she'd had a brain aneurysm. And within 24 hours, my mother, who used to wake up in the morning saying, it's a great day to be alive, passed away. That news was devastating to me. My mother and I had been very close. As a therapist, I knew on an intellectual level how to go through grief. But knowing it and doing it can be two very different things. It took a long time before I felt like I was really healing. And then on the three-year anniversary of my mother's death, some friends called and invited Lincoln and me to a basketball game. Coincidentally, it was being played at the same auditorium where I'd last seen my mother on the night before she passed away. I hadn't been back there since. I wasn't even sure I wanted to go back. But Lincoln and I talked about it, and ultimately we said, maybe that'll be a good way to honor her memory. So we went to the game, and we actually had a really good time with our friends. On the drive home that night, we talked about how great it was to finally be able to go back to that place and remember my mother with a smile, rather than all those feelings of sadness. But shortly after we got home that night, Lincoln said he didn't feel well. A few minutes later, he collapsed. I had to call for an ambulance. His family met me at the emergency room. We waited for what seemed like forever, till finally a doctor came out. But rather than taking us out back to see Lincoln, he took us back to a private room and sat us down and explained to us that Lincoln, who was the most adventurous person I'd ever met, was gone. 
We didn't know at the time, but he'd had a heart attack. He was only 26. He didn't have any history of heart problems. So now I found myself a 26-year-old widow, and I didn't have my mom. I thought, how am I going to get through this? And to describe that as a painful period in my life feels like an understatement. And it was during that time that I realized when you're really going through tough times, good habits aren't enough. It only takes one or two small habits to really hold you back. I worked as hard as I could, not just to create good habits in my life, but to get rid of those small habits, no matter how small they might seem. Throughout it all, I held out hope that someday life could get better. And eventually it did. A few years down the road, I met Steve, and we fell in love, and I got remarried. We sold the house that Lincoln and I had lived in, and we bought a new house in a new area, and I got a new job. But almost as quickly as I breathed my sigh of relief over that fresh start that I had, we got the news that Steve's dad had terminal cancer. And I started to think, why do these things always have to keep happening? Why do I have to keep losing all my loved ones? This isn't fair. But if I'd learned anything, it was that that way of thinking would hold me back. I knew I was going to need as much mental strength as I could muster to get through one more loss. So I sat down and I wrote a list of all the things mentally strong people don't do. And I read over that list. It was a reminder of all of those bad habits that I've done at one time or another that would keep me stuck. And I kept reading that list over and over, and I really needed it, because within a few weeks of writing it, Steve's dad passed away. My journey taught me that the secret to being mentally strong is that you have to give up your bad mental habits. Mental strength is a lot like physical strength. If you wanted to be physically strong, you'd need to go to the gym and lift weights. But if you really wanted to see results, you'd also have to give up eating junk food. Mental strength is the same. If you want to be mentally strong, you need good habits like practicing gratitude. But you also have to give up bad habits like resenting somebody else's success. No matter how often that happens, it'll hold you back. So, how do you train your brain to think differently? How do you give up those bad mental habits that you've carried around with you? It starts by countering those unhealthy beliefs that I talked about with healthier ones. For example, unhealthy beliefs about ourselves mostly come about because we're uncomfortable with our feelings. Feeling sad or hurt or angry or scared, those things are all uncomfortable. So we go to great lengths to avoid that discomfort. We try to escape it by doing things like hosting a pity party. And although that's a temporary distraction, it just prolongs the pain. The only way to get through uncomfortable emotions, the only way to get, deal with them, is that you have to go through them, to let yourself feel sad and then move on, and to gain confidence in your ability to deal with that discomfort. Unhealthy beliefs about others come about because we compare ourselves to other people. We think that they're either above us or below us. 
or we think that they can control how we feel or that we can control how they behave, or we blame them for holding us back. But really, it's our own choices that do that. You have to accept that you're your own person and other people are separate from you. The only person you should compare yourself to is the person that you were yesterday. And unhealthy beliefs about the world come about because deep down, we want the world to be fair. We know, want to think that if we put in enough good deeds, enough good things will happen to us. Or if we tough it out through enough bad times, we'll get some sort of reward. But ultimately, you have to accept that life isn't fair. And that can be liberating. It means you won't necessarily be rewarded for your goodness, but it also means no matter how much you've suffered, you're not doomed to keep suffering. The world doesn't work that way. Your world is what you make it. But of course, before you can change your world, you have to believe that you can change it. I once worked with this man who had been diabetic for years. His doctor referred him to therapy because he had some bad mental habits that were starting to affect his physical health. His mother had died from complications of diabetes at a young age, so he just believed he was doomed and he'd given up trying to manage his blood sugar altogether. In fact, his blood sugar had gotten so high lately that it was starting to affect his vision and he had his driver's license taken away and his world was shrinking. When he came into my office, it was clear. He knew all the things he could do to manage his blood sugar. He just didn't think it was worth the effort. But eventually, he agreed to make one small change. He said, I'll give up my two liter a day Pepsi habit and I'll trade it in for diet Pepsi. And he couldn't believe how quickly his numbers started to improve. And even though he came in every week to remind me how horrible Diet Pepsi tasted, he stuck with it. And once he started to see a little bit of improvement, he said, well, maybe I could look at some of my other habits. And he said, I could trade in my nightly bowl of ice cream for a snack with a little less sugar. And then one day he was at a thrift store with some friends and he found this beat up old exercise bike. He bought it for a couple of bucks and he brought it home and he parked it in front of his TV. And he started to pedal while he'd watch some of his favorite shows every night. And not only did he lose weight, but one day he noticed he could see the TV just a little bit more clearly than he had before. And suddenly it occurred to him, maybe the damage done to his eyesight wasn't permanent. So he set a new goal for himself to get his driver's license back. And from that day forward, he was on fire. By the end of our time together, he was coming in every week saying, okay, what are we gonna do this week? Because he finally believed that he could change his world and that he had the mental strength to change it and that he could give up his bad mental habits. And it all started with just one small step. So I invite you to consider what bad mental habits are holding you back. What unhealthy beliefs are keeping you from being as mentally strong as you could be? And what's one small step that you could take today, right here, right now?
it's just so amazing what life can throw at us and how we can be strong and overcome it with time and with working on our mental health. I truly hope this clip has inspired you that we all go through really shitty times and how it is so important to not let those times define us. If you would like to um, watch this clip, it's over on the YouTube. It's called The Secret of Becoming Mentally Strong. You can connect with Amy over on her website at Amy Morin lcsw.com she also has a few books out there i've put um, two of them in my mindful me shop Um, they are under the category mind and soul books they both have really long name titles but basically one is 13 things mentally strong women don't do and the other one is 13 things mentally strong people don't do You can find all these links down in the show notes. And thank you once again for tuning in to another Closer Today. I really, truly, truly hope that these are helping you get little aha moments throughout your week. And if you are liking what I'm doing, please leave a rating or review. It totally helps the podcast out. And I hope you have a beautiful week and we will see you on Friday for another episode of The Infertile Diagnosis. Thank you.